Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Last week we focused in on um, um, the love of God, and we were in uh, what's it, Ephesians chapter 4, and in this series, we're looking at how, um, how can I put it? We're looking at the reality of Christianity, what God intended with Christianity. What, what was Christianity supposed to be? Because it's not supposed to be some institutionalized uh, uh, organization which uh, you need to jump through hoops to be part of, etc. But it's supposed to be a, a relationship with God, a living God, and it's something which... You know, there's an inward flow of grace that into your life, and then there's an outward flow that happens. And at the moment, we've moved into that outward flow in the book of Ephesians. So if you look in the beginning of Ephesians, you've got um, the first half of Ephesians, Paul speaking about your identity. Paul speaking about who we are in Christ. We're going to look at that a little bit just now. But then the second half, he's like, because of who you are, this is how you can live. This is what you're able to do because of Christ in you, because of who you are now as believers. Okay, and last week specifically, we looked at um, Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 37 to 39. I didn't uh, arrange a, a slide, so if you guys want to follow in your Bible, then you, that's where you'll see it. But Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39 says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. And so the point with that verse is you can be very legalistic about this and saying, you know, you have to love God with everything. You have to love others, you know, and, and uh, it's good to love, right? It's good to love God. It's good to love others. But you can really get the wrong end of the stick with that one. And uh, this is showing us, we looked at it, I'm not going to get into too much detail there, but you know, how do we love God? Okay, the, the Apostle John writes and he says, we love Him because He first loved us. Okay, now when he penned that, when he wrote that on paper, did it become a truth or was it a truth? It was a truth. Okay, so do you think that, that Jesus knew that truth? Yes. Okay, and so Jesus knew you, that, that, that uh, um, we love God because He first loved us. And so when He said, he was, there was a context to this which we looked at last week in Matthew chapter 22. And it says, you know, when He's saying, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He's speaking from Deuteronomy. He's quoting the book of Deuteronomy. And what He's doing, He knows you can't do this without first experiencing God's love. So step one in this flow of divine love is let God love you. Know His love. Then you can love God properly. You'll never love God properly until you experience or know His love. Then the second one is thou shalt love your, thy neighbor as thyself. And with that, we often think, well, now it's going to love people. And that's what religion would tell you. But what Christianity is saying what Jesus is saying here is, love your neighbor as yourself. You're included. Religion always try and exclude you, but you're included. You can't love anybody if you don't love yourself. And the only way to love yourself is to firstly know that, that God loves you. 
So when you know God loves you and you start receiving His love, it changes your opinion of yourself. Then as it changes your opinion of yourself, you start to love others because now you're healthy. And you can't truly have healthy relationships if you're not really healthy. So there's a divine flow for healthy relationships in that. Okay, And um, we focused on a lot of other things uh, last week, but that was the key with it, and I want to build on that this evening. So starting off with Ephesians chapter 1, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians 4. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, right in the beginning of the book, Paul writes and he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So I like this because he's starting off by saying who he's writing to. And who's he writing to? The saints, the holy ones, those who are set apart. That's you and me if you're a Christian. Okay? If you're a believer, you're a saint. It's not just limited to Mother Teresa and, and Saint uh, uh, Nicholas and whoever else. It's, it's, it's your saint, Saint, saint Michael, <laughs> you know, Saint Yana. We, we're all saints. Don't start calling each other that. Then people would definitely think we're a cult. But, you know, like, we are saints. And Paul's saying, hey, this is who you are. And, you know, through Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, he, he's building up something. And he's trying to lay a strong foundation of identity. This is who you are, so that this is what you can do. Because the uh, ability flows from identity. Okay, an apple tree produces apples because it's an apple tree. Okay, I know that that's a, a tough one, <laughs> you know. But and, and I mean, the amazing thing is, is that it doesn't strive to produce apples. It produces them given that the conditions are right. Okay, if it doesn't produce apples, you know something's wrong. Okay, and I'm not a, an apple tree expert. Uh, I enjoy apples, but, you know, I'm just saying I know that much. <laughs> okay, something's wrong if it's not producing apples. Okay, for a Christian not to live like Jesus, something's wrong. That's what, you know, Paul is saying, hey, you're a saint. And then 4, 5, 6, chapters 4, 5, and 6, he starts to get into, you can live like a saint. <laughs> and a lot of people label that legalism, but it's not. It's Christianity. <laughs> you know, the world's problem with Christians is you don't act like it. We don't act like it. And so, I mean, if you read the book of Ephesians, Paul is clearly saying, hey, you are a Christian, you are a saint, now act like it. You are a holy one, now act like it. And it's not a case of trying to act like it because there's something in you, called the Holy Spirit, <laughs> which produces that fruit. And given the right conditions, like that apple tree, the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit will be a natural byproduct in your life. It won't be something that you're striving for. We should all be effortlessly living like Jesus, in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in faithfulness, in gentleness, in self-control, and in power. We should all be effortlessly living like that. Why don't we? Because something's wrong. <laughs> What's wrong? It's not the devil. My people don't perish because the devil is so strong. My people don't live like Jesus because the devil is so strong. That what's, 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 perishing, uh, what's causing us to perish is ignorance. is a lack of vision, a lack of knowledge. 
Not knowledge of everything out there, but a knowledge of God and who He is. And what He says about us, now that we're believers. Okay, so we are a saint, and Paul's basically writing Ephesians to say, don't forget to live like one. Okay, so you can turn over to chapter 4 there. But if I was to say, you know, if I'd started off and said, how many of us want to live like Jesus? All of us would have said yes, unless something's wrong. <laughs> okay, all of us would have said, yes, I want to live like Jesus. And then it would have been interesting to, say, to see what each person would think in terms of living like Jesus. Because a lot of people in maybe our circles think automatically heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You know, kapow! <laughs> and then, then you, you'll get others which will maybe go straight for love, but they don't think about what does that mean. Okay? And love is patient, love is kind, etc. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. But you know, there's a whole lot of things that we usually just leave off. And that's what Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 4, 5 and 6 to remind us of. But the awesome thing is, he starts with, this is who you are. You're a saint. You're forgiven. You're holy. Therefore, you can live like this. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 and 25, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation here. It says, and, be, and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within your new life and live in union with Him. So what this is saying is that transformation in your life happens as you embrace Christ within. And as you now start to live in union with Him. Okay? Now you are one with Him, but now you need to learn to live in union with Him. What does that mean? It's, it's, it's living a yes Lord life. It's, it's living connected to the vine. You are connected to Jesus. But now it's choosing to acknowledge that and walk in a, a step with that. Yeah? Some, some, some humans don't act human. We know that. Okay? Nobody here, present company excluded, but people who didn't come don't act like humans sometimes, right? Why is that? They're still humans, they're just not walking in union, in oneness with that, that, that reality that they are human. And so they sometimes act like animals. Okay, the same thing with a Christian. We are saints, we are holy ones, we are uh, righteous, but sometimes we don't act like that. We're not operating in union with our identity, our, our, our Christ-likeness, our oneness with Christ. Instead, we're just veering off track, acting like a sinner who got saved by grace, who, who is saved by grace, but not a sinner that got saved by grace. Okay, it goes on. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, and it says, For God has recreated you all over again in His perfect righteousness, and you now belong to Him in the realm of true holiness. So discard every form of dishonesty and lying, so that you will be known as one who always speaks the truth, for we all belong to one another. And this is, this is maybe something uncomfortable, but Paul is saying, Hey, um... Uh, 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 stop lying because you're a Christian. And yet, a lot of Christians I know would say, but that's legalism. Don't, don't focus on that. No, that's fruitfulness. So if, you, if you're not being fruitful in the area of not lying, then maybe check your, your, your foundation. Check what you're thinking about. Check what you're focused on. I'm going to switch to the other mic. 
And so, you know, it's saying disregard, discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you'll always be known as one who always speaks the truth. Then it says, for we are, are all belong to one another. So as believers, we're part of one another. We belong to one another. And so you not living like Jesus affects me. We spoke about this, I think, two weeks ago or so. And me not living like Jesus affects you. Because we are one, we are community, whether you like it or not. Okay, that's, that's the first thing. So lying hurts each other. But this is also saying we, we shouldn't lie and be dishonest because... Uh, we, we, should, we, we want people to know us as someone who always speaks the truth. Why is that? Because we're ambassadors for Christ. We represent Jesus. What's one of the world's biggest problems with Christians and the church? Is that one person who got caught out. That one person who, who, who tripped up. And there's grace for them. There's definitely grace. But we, people are putting on us a higher standard. Why? Because we're wearing the name of Christ. We're saying that we're little Christs. We are like Christ. And so people expect you to kind of look like that. You know, not like if I was to undo my hair or if Ben was to undo his hair and then we look like Christ a bit. It's not like that. It's in the sense of the way we live. Okay? People are expecting Jesus when they encounter a Christian. Okay, go down to verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. I just lost my place completely there. So give me a second. <laughs> never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help. To help them. So it's like what we say, because we're representing Christ, the way we speak and what we say should impact people and encourage them and bless them and lift them up. Okay? How is that possible? Because you've got Jesus living in you, you can do that. This is what um, uh, Paul is saying. He, you know, he starts off by saying, this is who you are. You're a saint. Therefore, this is how you can live. Okay? So it's, it's not difficult for you to just be nice. <laughs> or to be like Jesus. I know lots of people who aren't very nice, and yet they want power. They want to lay their hands on the sick and see them recover. But, you know, if you look at the miracles of Jesus, almost every time, as far as I know, or most times, it says that he was moved by compassion. What is compassion? It's being nice. <laughs> so if Jesus had compassion and healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, then we should have compassion if we expect to see the supernatural. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4 verse um, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He's saying lay aside bitter words and temper tantrums. He's saying lay it aside. That, that, that's how the, um, the, 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 the passion puts it. Lay aside bitter words and temper tantrums. So it's, it's giving us the idea... That we can do this. We don't have to have a temper tantrum, a flesh flash. We don't have to all of a sudden, like I acted like the devil, but you know what? I'm not perfect, so you just excuse me. You know, I'm still renewing my mind, the big excuse. 
I'm still growing in Christ. I'm not perfect. The Bible says you're perfect in Christ. <laughs> you might not be perfectly living it out, but you're perfect in Him. So it's not that, it's not that difficult. What you need to do is put aside that, that, that flesh, which has already been crucified. Put it aside. Stop f- focusing on that. You know, the carnal mind, we focused on, on it last week, the, 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 that our, our life follows our focus. So if we're focused in on, on the carnal, we're going to have death. Romans chapter 8 verse 6. But if we focus in on the Spirit, we're going to have life and we're going to have peace. Okay? So we should be putting aside bitter words and temper tantrums. When you all of a sudden want to have a temper tantrum and throw your toys out the cart and uh, uh, be immature like that, you should stop and say, you know what? Jesus in me, help me. <laughs> Jesus in me, help me. I'm one with you, so I don't have to try and do this on my own. I don't have to live up to a standard. Father, help me to experience your love right now. And then receive his love. Don't try and not have a temper tantrum. Receive his love in that moment and then flow in love. Okay? Because in order to love, you've got to receive love. You've got to have love. Experience that love. Now what I like here, oh, let me read verse 32 in uh, King James. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Be ye kind one to another, and tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's giving a very simple instruction of be kind. It's amazing that we can actually be kind. <laughs> you know, it's saying be kind to one another, tender-hearted. I like the, the tender-hearted part because it's saying that the way we treat each other comes from the heart. It can't just be a, I'm wearing my church mask today, although we all come with masks. I'm calling you out today. <laughs> You're wearing masks when you come to church. You should be yourself. <laughs> it's a joke. I'm <laughs> slow, but you know. The point is, is we need to be tender-hearted because the heart is involved in the way we treat one another. You can treat someone um, uh, uh, um, superficial, superficially, but but but... People know that. People know when you're not genuine. Okay? So, so we want to receive God's love into our hearts so that our hearts are impacted and it flows to one another. Okay? So be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving. And I love how this Paul now throws in, just in case you... you I look at it as just in case you're starting to feel heavy and this feels a bit legalistic or something for you. You know, grace police. All of a sudden, he just throws in some, 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 some foundation or some root for this. You can have the fruit of forgiving because, it says, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So he's giving you the key to walking in forgiveness. Okay, and we'll get back there in a second. So he's saying, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And then verse 1 of chapter 5, straight away, it flows into that. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love or be imitators of Christ. Dear children, walk in love as Christ also has loved us. And it goes on. The point is, is that our lives, the Christian life, is, is grounded and founded on His love and letting us receive His love so we can flow in His love. Okay, I like how the message puts chapter one of, uh, of chapter five, verse one. 
It says, watch what God does. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He did not love in order to get something from us, but in order to give everything of Himself to us. Love like that. Think about this for a moment. That whole passage that I've just read is focused in on relationship with God. It's talking about father, it's talking about children, and it's talking about an intimacy, a relationship where you start to learn what God does, and it's like it rubs off on you. Have you ever noticed the people that you hang out the most with, you become like them? Or they become like you? You become like each other. (laughs) Marna's humor has improved drastically in 11 years of marriage. (laughs) She's probably listening and she agrees. (laughs) <laughs> Often, the, uh, 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 I've heard William saying it lately. Uh, 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 Mom, you, 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 you said a joke like Dad would say it, or something like that. And I mean, you know, that's beautiful that she's improving so much. But <laughs> the point is, is that, that we become like the people we hang out with. That's why the Bible says what? Um, bad company corrupts good character. I believe the opposite is true as well. Good company corrupts bad character. And you can see that. You know, the, 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 um, the minority is always affected by the majority in, in, in hanging out, if you'll allow it. Now, you always get someone maybe who stands their ground, but they don't last too long, do they? <laughs> you know, because no one wants to be different. But the point is, is that, that if we spend more time with God, and if we're just focusing on how He, he treats us, we'll start to live a life of love. We'll start to, to love like He loves, which is extravagant, not cautious. So if we want to love like the world is expecting us to love, or like God would want us to love because it's good for us, it's what we're wired and desired to do, then we just need to focus in on that relationship with Father and receiving from Him. Your 1 John chapter 5 shows us that whoever believes uh, uh, that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And then another scripture says that God is love. So you put that together, and as believers, we're born of love. We should be able to say without anybody going, you know, we should be able to say, I am love. We should be able to say that. That's what people should be able to say of us. Like, when I interact with Etienne, I experience love. What kind of love? You know, the world doesn't understand God's kind of love. God's kind of love is patient, kind, good. You know, all of those things in 1 Corinthians 13. Holds no records of wrongs. Let's talk about that for a moment. That's what the 1 Corinthians 13 shows us, that love holds no records of wrongs. That echoes what it says here in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And forgive one another. To forgive means that you're holding no record of wrong. That's God's nature towards us. That is how we should be living. Holding no records of wrongs. Amen? We should be living... I want to say forgiving, but then I realize it rhymes and it's a bit corny sometimes when I rhyme all the time. But we should be just living to forgive. You know, we should just be living this life where people, you know, they wrong us and they don't even experience the wrath of shame. 
I don't just explode like a, a volcano every time someone pushes the wrong button because when they push my buttons, love comes out. <laughs> However that looks in the situation. You know, it's, it's true. I've had people argue with me on this, but it's true. When you're squeezed, what's inside comes out. And so just, 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 just receive more love and, and focus in on God's love and when you're squeezed, love will come out. So let, you know, that, that's how we let God's love flow. It's like in our, what are we defaulting to when the pressure's on? It should be love. So someone offends you, someone rejects you, someone hurts you, someone's on your case, and you respond like Jesus would. Or, or, or think about Stephen from, from the book of Acts. Yeah, he's, he's full of the Spirit, he's full of wisdom, he's, and he's just going and he's ministering and, and he's preaching the gospel about how Jesus is the Christ and the, 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 the Jews aren't too happy with him. And what happens? They pick up rocks and they start throwing them at him. And he's busy dying. And he falls to his knees and he said, Father, don't hold this to their account. Forgive them. Why does he say that? He, because he's filled with love. You can't say that if you're not filled with love. So, you know, you know the last couple of, of, of days or, or two weeks or so, God's really just been speaking to me about this, this issue of forgiveness. And honestly, I can honestly say it can't be because I have a need to forgive anyone. <laughs> because I, I, I don't, I can't, I, I, you know, I'm searched my heart and I don't see that. But evidently someone needs to forgive. And it's easy to get like, this is, I know that everyone here is perfect, so you've got to take this message and share it with your friends that didn't come. This is for them. You know? uh, but the point is, is like, it's easy to pick up a fence and get hurt. And, you know, even if, if I think about it, the last two weeks as an example, I can see where, where I could have been offended and hurt and, and been unforgiving, but it's not in my nature as a Christian. And I've gotten to the place where it's, I might need to stop and go, okay, I need to process this. <laughs> but then with God, I process it and I forgive. And I move on from that. But you know, think about it. Have you ever seen someone, because this can't be any of us, we all look good tonight. But have you seen someone who's bitter and twisted? Who's held on to something for years? Doesn't matter how much makeup they put on. You know, they're miserable to be around. You push the wrong button and your head nearly gets taken off. And it's just like, they even, like, they don't always look good either. No matter how much makeup they put on. The point is, is when, if we hold on to something, a wrong that someone did, it can even be, we're holding on to something that we believe God didn't do or should have done. So we're bitter towards God. But it's like, if there's bitterness, if there's unforgiveness, it's like, it's holding you in bondage. It's not holding God in bondage. He's perfect. <laughs> you know, I, I know a lot of people who are upset with me and, and, and unforgiving towards me. And it's like, you, know, you try and make it right and all of that, but it's like, it's not affecting me that they're unforgiving towards me. Have you ever noticed that? You could be upset with someone and they don't even know it. It's amazing. And, and then we're just like, oh, they don't even know what they've done. Point proven. It's affecting you. It's not affecting them. So let it go. And if you need to sing the song to let it go, let them sing it. 
Because the point is, is you want to grow out of that and you want to be like Jesus. You know, and it might take a bit of effort to go, okay, I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to stand, sit here and just receive the love of God. And, and God, you need to reveal to me and help me and whatever. Until you get to that place where you can forgive. God's not expecting you to forgive, but he wants you to because he knows that it's good for you. You holding on to something is not good for you. Okay? Luke chapter 7, verse 47. Luke 7, 47 says, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Yeah? If, if, if you are, uh, um, know how much you're forgiven and how much you're loved, it'll be easy for you to forgive much and love much. It really will. The problem is, is that often we don't realize how bad we were. Okay, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, you know, we, we um, as I say, I've been, been, this is something that God's been speaking to me about for a, a couple days, weeks now. And um, last night, we just, we didn't plan to do this, but we decided let's just watch this documentary while we're eating. And there was a documentary on the life of uh, Corrie ten Boom, who was in the um, Second World War, hiding Jews from the, 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 um, the Nazis, you know, hiding them behind a fake wall in her room. And then her, her father, her sister get arrested. Her father dies in a concentration camp. She, her sister gets mistreated and dies in a, 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 in a concentration camp. And she miraculously uh, gets released and then shares about the love and the goodness of God, you know, all over the world, traveling and ministering. And, you know, she experienced tremendous hardship. And, and it was very difficult for her to see her, her sister die. They were in their 50s when they were in the concentration camp. And, um, and uh, 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 the one day she's preaching, and someone at the back of the hall, she recognizes him. And while she's preaching, she recognizes him, her, this man as the soldier who literally put so much hardship and misery on her sister that it killed her. So she recognizes that this was the guy that, that, that um, uh, uh, was cruel and mean and, and whatever towards uh, us. And afterwards she goes um, uh, up to the back to shake everyone's hands as they, they, um, they leave. And he's like, uh, gets to him and he's like, you know, you, you, I don't know if you recognize me, but I was the soldier that really uh, uh, caused a lot of misery for you and for your sister. And since the war, I've received Christ. And my whole life has changed and I've been waiting, praying that I have this moment to be able to ask you to forgive me. And the, 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 the documentary says that, that she had this moment which felt like eternity where she was like, God, because it hurt her. It was, it was, it was something that she was struggling with. Like that this man could do so much harm. Like how, how can I forgive him? And she was just like, Jesus, help me. The point is it's not easy to forgive. But in that moment, she, she, she was able to say, God gave her the strength and, and she felt the um, Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, the, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit empowered her in the love of God to say, I forgive you. And it wasn't butterflies, I'm sure, and all of that. It was, it was something that really was from a deep conviction and she released him from his debt that, she, that this man owed him. And now, he owed her nothing. That's what forgiveness is. You're not expecting someone to make right with you because you've released them from their, their, their debt. 
And I mean, there's, there's lots of stories like that. But that really impacted me because most of us hold on to things where people didn't beat a loved one to death. And even if they did, there's a great example of how you can forgive. But, you know, even it doesn't matter how bad someone's hurts us, how bad someone has, ha, ha, has inflicted pain and torment on us, we often don't want to forgive them and we say, I'll never forgive them, simply because we think we're awesome. <clears throat> we don't realize how bad we were as unbelievers. Romans chapter 5, I want to read from 8 to 10. Romans chapter 5 from 8 to 10. Now this really, you know, God loves you. Amen. You're a saint. Amen. Yeah, uh, 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 the goodness of God led you to repentance. Amen. Look at the context of that, that, that verse in Romans chapter 2, I think it is. And it says, it's speaking about the wrath of God. And so in contrast, the wrath of God and then the goodness of God shows how good He is. That He didn't just wink an eye at your sin and your sinful nature, but He didn't just sweep it under the rug. He paid for it. He paid for it. And we often don't see how bad... I don't know. I don't have the words to explain this. We often don't see how bad we were as sinners. Because you may have been a very nice sinner. You may have not, you know, stolen, never killed anyone, never swore, never uh, slept around, never whatever. You, you may have just been living like a Christian, but didn't have Jesus living in you. And you were just a nice person. A nice corpse. Because that's what you were. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, you know, you were dead in your trespasses and sin and He's made you alive. So if you're an unbeliever, you're dead. If you're a believer, you're alive. So it doesn't matter how much you put perfume on the corpse, doesn't matter how much you dress up the corpse, you're a corpse. You're a sinner. Okay? It's, and you're rotten inside pretty much. As a sinner, you don't realize how rotten you were, even if you were a nice sinner. Okay? But now you've been transferred into the kingdom of, of light and everything's changed. You might act rotten, but in your core, you're not rotten. In your core, you're, you're, you're love now. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is showing that you were a sinner, even if you've forgotten what that was like, because it was a long time ago maybe, or whatever. But it says that you were a sinner, and God's love was towards you as a sinner so much that He died for you. He paid for your sin. Okay? He, he, he didn't think, wow, wow, Devin is just, he's a sinner, but I like him. This guy, he's got something. I, I, I need to have him. Yeah, he, he didn't look, he, he was like, he saw the desperation that we were in and he paid for our sin. So that we would be part of his family. Okay? Verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood shall we be saved from the wrath through him. We don't know what we've been saved from often and that's why we take for granted the fact that we're a Christian. We can tick that box. And because we take it for granted, we, we, we're not really um, 
experiencing this love and focused on this love to the degree where it actually flows towards those around us. Where we can say, hey, it's okay. You've hurt me. It was bad. But I forgive you. I'm not holding it against you. God, I'm trusting God to, to, to restore to me. I'm releasing you from that debt. I'm not talking about debt of money. I'm talking about debt that you caused wrong and now you need to make right with me. I'm letting it, I'm letting it go. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? This is beautiful. It's saying that you were an enemy of God. So it's not the case of, oh, Devin is just such a great God. Yeah, it was like, that's my enemy. Because it's a, they've got a sinful nature. And I want to save them from that doom and gloom. I want them in my kingdom, so I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a payment for that. Okay? Now, you can get legalistic when it comes to forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. You can get, you can get legalistic with this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. If you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. Okay, now there's a context to that and we can get into detail with that. But the easiest way to explain that right now is that you know, Jesus ministered under the law to people who are under the law, to emphasize grace, and it was before the cross. Now, Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Forbearing one another, this is after the cross now, Forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So now this, this is echoing what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Focus in on how much He's forgiven you and it'll be easy to then forgive others. Let their, let their, their um, wrong against you go. And say, you know what, I'm not holding this against you. You're free. We want to be like Jesus in healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons. But then, what if someone spits in your face? What if someone rubs you up the wrong way? What if someone hurts you? Can you forgive them then? Well, yeah, this isn't such a hectic testimony, but it's, I, I like it. Um, our um, sister church in Zimbabwe, uh, uh, Pastor Isaac there, he, he tells a story of... Um, Waking up one day and uh, there was uh, an extra person in their house. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, um, they, had, um, they had had, they got a large house. Uh, so when we go there, it, it accommodates the whole team, uh, a mission team. So, you know, we all have a place to stay. And um, so they had had all their elders and leaders sleeping over. And when they say sleep over, it's like couches and mattresses. It's not private rooms. And, um, you know, and, 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 and they were all staying over and someone was in the kitchen making some tea and they saw this man and they were like, you know, greeted him and went back and, you know, I don't know that one. Yeah, that's how many people were around. And then, you know, someone eventually caught wind that, okay, this guy shouldn't be here. And uh, 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 Pastor Isaac caught him, I think, trying to get away with the TV or something. 
called the police, the police came, and he went with the, the, the thief to the, 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 um, uh, the police station, and they sat there waiting for the opportunity to, to make a case. And now, uh, if you know him, you'll appreciate the story even more. But now they're sitting there, and he's, he, I would rather be interrogated by the police <laughs> than Isaac, because uh, uh, I think it would be less scary. So now he's there, and he's preaching the gospel at this guy. But before he does, he's like, what did you want? Why were you in my house? He's like, well, he was wanting to steal something so that he can get some money. He's like, you can come back to my house and take whatever you want. But don't, don't take it. Like, ask me and I'll, I'll give it to you. You can have whatever you want. And that kind of obviously makes the guy a bit uneasy. Like, what's going on here? And he used that to share the gospel with him. He received Christ. And then he said, anytime you come past my house, please stop. You can have some lunch. You can, if you need money, we'll give you money, whatever. But, but don't be, you're a believer now. And that guy stopped by often and whatever. The police were very upset because then uh, uh, Isaac dropped all the charges and uh, they felt like their time was wasted and all of that. But the guy had a life change. And it's all because he said, you know what, this TV isn't important to me. Because what often happens with forgiveness and, and issues like this is we're focused on the wrong thing. And at a time like this, it's easy to be focused on the wrong thing. Okay, John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In this world you shall, shall have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So in this world, we'll have problems. We're going to have tribulation. We're going to have distress. But in Him, we can have peace. So we don't have peace in our circumstances. We have peace in Christ. Okay? I like what Jesus is really saying here is, have an eternal mindset. Don't focus in on the troubles around you because it will distress you. Focus in on me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Be heavenly minded. Be focused on Christ who is risen above, risen and seated above. As we focus in on Him, it causes us to have peace. Okay? Because we're living for eternity. Most Christians are not eternal minded. We're, we're, we're here and now minded. You know, how do we know that? Well, Write a list of five things that you're trusting God for right now. Go. <laughs> if it's something that can burn, you might need it. But if it's something that can burn, you're probably not very eternal minded. Now God wants our needs met. He wants us to be looked after. But if all we're concerned with is what I see, taste, hear, smell, feel, and what I, if I'm hungry, food, or whatever, then we don't know what the greater need is. Salvation. Eternity. Yes, God wants you healed. He wants you well. Amen? We believe that. But if you never get healed and you die of that, you're in eternity with Jesus forever. If you have that perspective, it takes away the fear. Because we're living for eternity and eternity is forever. Most Christians don't have an eternal mindset. So, you know, someone does me wrong and I can't get over it. And yet, in 10,000 years' time, I'm going to not remember anything to do with that. Because I'm going to be alive in 10,000 years' time, just not sure. We don't think like that, because 
we're here now. We're focused in on what the world's focused in on. You know, it, 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 most uh, Christians aren't focused in on the right thing right now. We're called to make disciples and reach the world for Jesus with the gospel. We're not called to give our opinion from the pulpit on COVID and vaccination, etc., etc. I have an opinion. I'm sure you do too. We're called to preach the gospel. If I was using my pulpit time to focus in on something other than, than the gospel and, and eternal truth, you know, if I was living in the Old Testament, stone me. <laughs> because it's wrong. You know, there, there's, you go, go research it for yourself. Find out what you should do. But, 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 but that's not my place. As an ambassador of Christ, that's not your place. We should not be speaking about vaccination more than we're speaking about the gospel. Unless you're a doctor. <laughs> and that's your business. But I know two doctors in the room. <laughs> the majority of us don't have that privilege. Okay? Point is, is like even, even in, with the story with, uh, or this account, it's not a, a fictitious story, it's a true story with Corrie ten Boom. In the concentration camp, the, the, the room, the dormitory where, where they were, she had snuggled in, smuggled in a Bible. A little Bible. And she had this little Bible, because Bibles were illegal. So that she had a Bible with her, she smuggled it in, and she got into the dormitory, and the dormitory was infested with lice. Okay? Now, I would love to know what everyone's prayer would be if you had to live there. Now, they were in, they were in this dormitory infested with lice, and you know what she was doing? She's mid-50s. You know what she's doing? She's having Bible study with these, these women in this, this, this uh, uh, concentration camp twice a day. Bible study twice a day, ministering to them. You know, you know what their prayer wasn't? Their prayer wasn't, God, please take this lice away. Do you know why? Because of the lice, the, the prison guards weren't coming into their dormitory. Because they didn't want to experience the lies. And so that's why she still had a Bible, and that's why they still had Bible study twice a day in a concentration camp where it was not permitted. Now, I'm not saying God sent the lies, <laughs> and I'm not saying God put her in the concentration camp at all, but God works all things together for our good. We, when we were uh, 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 stuck for an extra six months in the States, you know, we were staying in a, an uncomfortable two-roomed area, and it was we were blessed, we were enjoying it, two-roomed uh, uh, loft, uh, uh, and it was nice, we enjoyed it, but it wasn't comfortable. And we never complained really about it, but I can't remember who it was, which is probably a good thing, so bless their heart. They, I was sharing this with someone, that, that, you know, we've got a bucket, because we I was laughing about it, a bucket that we're washing the dishes in, in the sink, the little sink, next to the little toilet, next to the little shower. And we're happy. You know, my wife and I are sleeping on the double bed, and one boy's on the couch, the other one's on the other couch, in the same room, and the house is at an angle, because of Hurricane Sandy, the, uh, this part of the house sunk in a little bit, and we only realized that when we put a bottle on the floor, because I, we were both lying in bed, looking up, going, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> You know, and it was because we were lying like this. Like our, our feet were in the air. And I had a, a, a friend who I love dearly challenging me 
saying, why don't you believe God for more? You're probably asking the same question now. Why don't you believe in God for your own apartment or your own house or whatever? And I, I was like, huh, I never thought of that. And as I meditated on that and thought on that, I was like, because if we had stayed in our own apartment, yeah, God could have provided the 4,000 US dollars that we would have needed to rent a house every month. <laughs> yeah, He could have provided that. We, for this two-roomed apartment, the, 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 the hosts were so gracious, very gracious and generous towards us. And we love them. We build a good relationship with them. That's part of why I'm grateful that we were there. We were also there when the husband then went through a stroke. You know, so it was, it was a good thing that we were there. But here's the, the interesting thing. The, the rent there was the same rent that we were paying back in South Africa, still paying for our house that was waiting for us. So it was a lot of money, even though it wasn't a lot of money compared to dollars for, for them. But here's the thing. If we weren't staying there, we wouldn't have made friends with that whole street. The first day we got there, Marna walked down the street with the boys while I was unpacking and doing stuff, and she met six families. Now that's her nature as well. But she met six families who became almost lifelong friends. We, we're in contact with them even now, almost a year later. The one was a Hindu family, is a Hindu family still, but is so impacted by our faith. The other is a Catholic family who we love dearly. And we've been able to encourage them through difficult times that they've gone through since we've left. Uh, and then there's two Christian families, a nominal family, a nothing family. It's like, it's amazing how God used us because we were willing to be uncomfortable. Because we had an eternal mindset. Because we weren't being self-centered in our prayer life of, God, we want to have a comfortable two-bedroom department where, you know, it's got a sea view. and a, what it, you know, We were like... We'll, Lord, you open the door, we'll go. We want to impact people. That's what we, was our prayer. You know, uh, um, Corey Ten Boom's sister, who was in that flea-infested, uh, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, dormitory, prayed and said, thank God for the fleas, or the, the lice. I mean, what a prayer. How many of you would thank God for lice, or fleas, or anything? A thorn in your foot. You know, <laughs> we, we, our, our, we're focused so much on what's affecting us now that we're not focused in on what's impacting eternity. The church can't meet. The church is closed. Oh, goodness. The, you know, the government's persecuting the church. How horrible. And they're not allowing us to meet. And yet, the church wasn't closed. It was just services. And we saw people being born again. With the doors closed, not, not meeting like this. We love meeting like this. We want to meet like this. But the mission continues because you're still an ambassador. You don't switch off the, 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 the um, ambassador button. There's no off and on switch. All I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging us with here is, your Paul is saying you're a saint. So live like one. Because it's your witness. You've got, you've got to, we've got to live with eternity in mind. So many of us are just focused on the here and now that we forget that there is an eternity. The easiest way to deal with the death of a loved one, especially if they're in Christ, is the fact that there's eternity. You know, we've, we've trusted for people to get healed and they've died. Not because we were trusting, evidently. But you know, when, when, when the friend or the, the, the person in the church phones us and says, you know, so-and-so's passed away, 
Awesome. So-and-so has died. My first response is always, it just happened to be this. I didn't plan it. But thank God that this life is not all that there is. That's how I encourage them. Because thank God that this life (laughs) is not all that there is. Because it can be very difficult. But we're here for a purpose. And the purpose is bigger than your vocation, your job. The purpose is bigger than, than your comfort. And I believe God wants you blessed. God wants you to have a nice life. All of that. But what, you know, I heard it said like this. Unbelievers, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Let me come back to it. We, if we're living for eternity... Then, then we'll be willing to do whatever it takes to do what we're called to do. One of the things that, that, that has been uh, on my mind the last short while, apart from all of this, has been, you know, God forbid, please, my, my biggest fear would be that I get to the end of my life and I had a nice house, a nice car, nice children, and that was it, or even a nice church. Like, I'm like, Lord, there has to be a, a greater impact than that. that we, we have to do more than that. I don't want to just have a nice church. That, that, that there's got to be a greater impact in the world. We've got to see more people coming to, into eternity because eternity is forever. And so, I'm not believing God to be prosperous. Don't just stone me. <laughs> I'm not believing God for more money. I'm believing God that I will be able to do more of what He's called me to, and I know that the money will come as I do that. Yeah, that's the mindset that we've got to have. Not, I want more money so I can get something more, or even so that I can reach more people. That's what more, most people say. It's like I'm going to reach more people, and I know that God will provide so that I can reach more people. And look after my family, obviously, because that's on God's heart too. So, Father, there, there, there's just so much in this. <laughs> there's just so much in this. And I thank you right now by your Spirit that you just minister to every single person in this place. Now, there's a, a couple things I'm going to call us to respond on. So, just, just focus on the Lord for a moment and open up your heart. Father, I, I just I thank you that By your power in us, we can forgive. No matter how bad somebody has hurt us, no matter how much they've um, caused us injury or whatever, I thank you that we can forgive. Because what we did, who we were, was worse than what anyone could do to us. The rebellion in the garden was far worse than what anyone could do to us. Holy Spirit, I just invite you now just to flood our hearts and this room just with your love. That that we would all just be so aware of your love and your goodness right now. I'm pretty sure that there's somebody here that needs to forgive someone 
know, that individual that hurt you, that those people who hurt you, or whatever the case is, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know, they may know about it, they may not know about it. So this isn't for their sake, this is for your sake. So I just want to give you a moment just to do some business in your heart and invite the Holy Spirit to help you to forgive, to love, to let go. Just take a moment now and as the individuals come up in your mind or in your heart and you know, I, I need to let this one go. I, this person's really wronged me, but, but like God help me to forgive. Holy Spirit, help me. I believe He'll give you the power right now. So just, just, just speak to God in your heart. Don't pass this opportunity by. It's, 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 it's really a matter of life and death, I believe. Life or death. Sometimes I believe people even struggle to receive healing because they're just holding on to so much inside of them that they don't have the capacity to receive. There's just so much bitterness and hatred in them that they, they can't receive that love which heals. Right now I just release love and healing to flow in your heart and in your life right now. As you let go... I thank you, Father, that, that every single one would just experience your transforming power right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just feel like someone here that, that you, you, you are holding something against God and you, you kind of expected Him to do something a certain way and it didn't happen. And you know, God, It's not God's fault. He's perfect. And He's not in control of everything and in every detail of your life. We've got choices. Bad things happen because people make bad choices. Not because God wanted something bad to happen to you or someone else. God isn't the one who, who killed Auntie Susan or whoever. You know, God, God isn't, doesn't, doesn't do that. He, he's good and He only has good things in store for you. And, and I, I just, just feel like you, know, you can't forgive God and that he, he, he's, he's perfect, but you need to let that go. Because it's only coming from a place of you don't know who He really is and how much He really loves you. He was with you in the fire. He was with you in the flood. He was with you in the tragedy. And He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The way that your life is and where you are right now is not because He wanted it like this. It was either your decisions your, your, or your, uh, your indecisiveness or it was other people's decisions. But the good news is, is that with God, you can turn that around. With His power, you can turn that around. With His wisdom, you can turn that around. Thank you, Jesus.
Also just feel like God's wanting us to just respond in a sense of course correction. You know, we, we often that's, that's what the Word does. We're, we're living our lives, we're going in a direction, and then the Word just brings a course correction. The Holy Spirit ministering to us, not to condemn us, but to bring a conviction so we can change our focus and get back on track. And I know that there would be a number of us who, who probably all of us even, who, who need to just say, hey, I, I've been focused in on the wrong thing. I've been, 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 not been mindful of eternity and I've been just focused on the here and now. And that's, that's you. I just want to encourage you in your heart just to say to the Lord, God, God I, I, I just repent of that. I, I, I want to focus in on the right stuff and, and have the right fruit and bring you glory in a way that, 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 that's beyond what I can do. And just allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to you now and just bring that course correction. You don't have to feel bad for having the wrong focus. You don't have to feel bad for having not forgiven someone or holding something against someone. All you need to do is move on. Don't camp there. Let it go. Move on. Don't let what other people have done to you define you and don't let circumstances define you because God defines you with eternity based on what His Son, Jesus, has done for you. Thank you, Father. I just speak freedom over you. Freedom to your heart, freedom to your mind. You're in this world, but you're not of this world, so don't live like the world. Don't chase after what the world is chasing after. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything's added unto you. Keep Him your, your main focus, relationship with Him, receiving His love and flowing in His love. Keep that the main thing. Grow in His love. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.